today. We've been looking at something really important, that piece of scripture. Then next week, like we were saying earlier, we've got Testimony Sunday, when it's not just me or someone at the front for 30 minutes or so, but lots of us coming to the front to encourage each other and just say, yeah, this is what the Lord has been saying. This is what the Lord has been good to me in doing. The week after that, and for the next two months, we've got the new series all about Build the Wall from the book of Nehemiah. So we'll be looking at that in October and November. Today, though, there's three words that are going to be really important. Plant, water, grow. They're the words that we're thinking about today. Acorn. We all know what an acorn's from. Just remind me. Oak tree. Brilliant. So the other day when I was just walking through the fields, I found some and I thought, I know what's going to happen to that if someone plants it, waters it, looks after it. More than likely, it's not going to be that small for long. My arms aren't long enough, are they? Even if I got on the chair, it wouldn't be tall enough to do it. Because what might start small is something that Robin Hood really needed. Do you remember when he hid in the oak tree? All those nasty people underneath. And also there was someone, fam- someone else who's famous who hid in an oak tree. Can you remember who that was? It was in East Shropshire. Charles the... Add one. Second, yeah. So we're all, well, I was saying we're used to Charles III. We're not yet, are we? Give it a few years and we'll be all right. But Charles II hid in an oak tree as well, hid from the roundheads so he wouldn't be killed. And Well, he wasn't Charles II then. He was going to be Charles II, but he hid in an oak tree. But the oak tree grew from an acorn. One Corinthians three five to eleven is what I read earlier. Corinth was a large city when Paul wrote to the church there, and it was about fifty miles west of Athens, which of course is in Greece. The apostle Paul founded that church in about fifty A.D. And if you wanted to read about how it was founded, you can read about that in Acts chapter eighteen. There were several pastoral issues that were problems in that church. And in all, we think that Paul wrote four letters to that church, and we've just got two of them in the Bible. 1 Corinthians, we think, was written when Paul was in Ephesus, and he wrote it around 54 AD. One of the problems that that church was facing at the time was division. They lacked unity with different groups of people favouring different people as leaders. Some Apollos, some Cephas some Jesus, some Paul. We can read about that in the book of Corinthians. But how does Paul suggest they get over this? What, how does Paul teach them about this? How does Paul show them a better way? It's interesting because when Jesus spoke, he often spoke in parables, using jobs that people knew about. If you notice, Jesus never spoke about nuclear scientists 
because the people at that time wouldn't have known anything about them. But Jesus did, of course, didn't he? He didn't speak about pianists because there weren't pianists at the time when Jesus spoke. He talked about shepherds. He talked about things people understood. And that's exactly what Paul did as well. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Here's another version. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Another version still, the Living Bible. My work was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos' work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. Here's another one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God all the while was making it grow and he gave the increase. Here's one more. This is from the message. I'll sit down. This is a bit longer. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the centre of this process, but God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. The interesting thing was, Corinth at the time was a Roman colony. One of their basic ideas was, be the best and be seen to be the best. It was an elitist society where people despised physical laborers. If you're at the top of the tree, you'd made it. If you're at the bottom, life was pretty bad. And people wanted to be at the top. And really, that was the most important thing to them. So if the Romans and people in that city despised physical laborers, it's ever so interesting that Paul describes himself and Apollos as a physical labourer. They were both gardeners, watering the plants, planting the seed. Paul wasn't saying, oh, I want to be a preacher, I want to do this for God. He was saying, look, you Corinthians, the thing to do in God's family isn't to want to be the best, to be up front, to get all the accolades. The thing that you can do is to do the plantering, to do the watering. Both the planter and the waterer have the same idea. They're not in competition with each other. They want to see the plants grow so that they're bountiful and that they're beautiful. But Paul knew that even though Paul and Apollos and other people in the church were doing plenty of things for God, it was ultimately down to God whether things would happen or not. God was going to make it grow. Even though Paul and Apollos and other people had their part to play in the process, Paul is showing the Corinthian church that humility is really important in the Christian life. Do you remember how Paul described Jesus in Philippians 2 about the servant king coming from heaven full of grace and truth. You know, I like Greek words. Here's three Greek words. Plant, futio, to set out in the earth, to instill doctrine. To water, 
potizo, to cause to drink, to feed, to irrigate, to saturate. So they're all manual jobs, like we say, making sure things are planted and irrigated, saturated, especially when it was really hot a few weeks ago. We all had to make sure in our gardens that our favoured plants, at least, had plenty of water on them, didn't we? Otherwise, they wouldn't have lasted long. But the growth is perhaps the most important word. Alzano, to cause to become greater, to enlarge, and this is the bit I like the most, to mature. God wants to see all of us mature in him, not to stay as we are. So there's people like me perhaps sow seeds and you sowed seeds for other people. So we can say, Lord, yes, will you help me? But Lord, will you cause the increase? God, will you cause the growth in my heart and in other people's lives as well? But it wasn't just Apollos and Paul that were busy in the New Testament church. It wasn't just them who were the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. There were a whole host of other people, all of these people. And of course, there was the other nine disciples and there's lots of other people that Paul lists in his letters and that are written about in the book of Acts as well. So just some of these people, of course, there are some ladies there as well, of course, aren't it? They weren't just sort of making the teas and coffees in the early church. They were leading things that were going on as well. Let's just think a bit more about Apollos, because you might not know a lot about him. Here's some quick thoughts. He was from northern Africa. So maybe when you see uh, a face, I want that to be the face that's in your mind, that you just think, oh, yeah, okay, now I've got a picture of what he looks like. The Bible says, because I've got the different scriptures that is mentioned in the Bible near the bottom, but the Bible says he knew the scriptures well. He was a friend of Paul. He travelled a lot. He had a fruitful ministry. Some people think he might have written the book of Hebrews, but some other people think some other people wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it. But he's just one of the candidates who might have written the he book of Hebrews. He was working with Paul. He was working with God. They both knew, Paul and Apollos, that work was a partnership with other humans and with God himself as well. These were the things he was doing. He was planting and watering. And he knew, like we know hopefully, that everyone had an important part to play in the New Testament church. Here's a question I want you to think about. Don't answer it out loud. and Maybe you can talk about it with God later or even just now. What important part are you playing here in 2022? Have a think about that. During the Second World War, Nuneaton wasn't spared from the Luftwaffe. On one particular night, the 16th and the 17th of May, 1941, the Luftwaffe dropped a lot of bombs on the Neaton. I've heard of people, even recently in this church, saying how they remember it, and some of their houses nearby were destroyed. In fact, on that day, there were 130 deaths in the Neaton. 380 houses were destroyed and more than 10,000 homes in the Neaton 
were damaged. That's an awful lot, isn't it? Heath End Road, uh, centre of Nuneaton. If you look at these photos and look at more online, like here's Coton Church, here's Heath End Road. Uh, that's Church Street in the centre of town, and that's Manor Court Road, Abbey Green. So if you want to look at it, you'll see all these things. But in Weddington as well, bombs were dropped and houses were destroyed. The Luftwaffe were indiscriminate in what they did. Of course, the RAF was exactly the same with Dresden and Cologne and Hamburg. We dropped bombs on them indiscriminately. Hopefully your ears will pick up when I say, can being, can being indiscriminate, indiscriminate ever be a godly thing to do? You're sitting up now. Some of you were sort of just relaxed before, but now you're thinking about it. Is it desirable or correct even to bless and to encourage others indiscriminately? In other words, can we, when we're in the shop, just pray for the person in front of you? When you're on the bus, can you talk to the other people that are nearby and just say, hello, how are you doing? Perhaps not even mentioning Jesus, but just striking up a conversation. Who knows, it might lead to talking about Jesus in a few weeks or months' time, but maybe you're the only person that's going to speak to them that day. And if you don't do it, maybe they're just not going to be spoken to. Should we be planting and watering as much as possible and then asking God to cause the growth on what we do in his name. We need to do as much as we feel we can do. And then do a bit more, isn't it? Because that's what Apollos and Paul were doing. Planting and watering. And that's what we can do as well. Wherever we go, whether it's we're at work now or younger than that or older than that, God is calling all of us to plant, to water and to see something happen because he's going to bless that work. The important thing is that nearly always, God doesn't ask us to do our things for him alone. It says in verse 9 that we are God's fellow workers. And it's so often this, the true thing, that we might plant something, but then if you tell other people about it, oh, I talked to this person, just on a nice, friendly way, then they can pray. And they'll be saying, oh, yes, Lord, the thing that... Uh, Yvette did last week downtown we blessed the word she said to that person or to whatever someone said do you know how I mean so we can bless and encourage our families and strangers and people we meet at work by watering and planting as much as possible and then look to God to give the growth just like the early church because all of these people were planting and watering and when you look around now all of us have a beautiful task of being menial labourers. We can all be gardeners. We can all, not just those hit on that photo, but looking around now, everyone that's here, we can say, yes, Lord, whatever our height, whatever our age, whatever the colour of our hair, whether we dye it or not, Lord, will you be a blessing to the people that we love and we meet so that we can see Amazing things happening. The funny thing is, when I got thinking about this, I started thinking about flowers, because we're thinking about planting and, and seeds and things. 
So I've listed some of the things there that I like in, a, in our garden. Roses, tulips, clematis, buddleia, lilies, peonies, uh, peonies, and marigolds. But the thing is, I like them. But how many more thousands and thousands of plants are there in the world that you know about and like, and maybe birds and animals and insects like them as well, and you like in your garden, but I choose not to have in our garden. It's exactly the same in spiritual life as well. I might be okay and good at doing certain things. You might be amazing at talking to people one-to-one. You might be really brilliant at baking cakes because you add that extra ingredient of love. And I just add the extra, extra ingredient of being flummoxed when I cake, make cakes. Uh, Jill and I do it together. And uh, I hardly do any baking on my own. But together, it's a brilliant team. But you might do something that's really great and amazing, planting and watering for God, that I'm not good at and other people aren't good at. God loves and gives diversity. That's why we're all here together doing things for God. Because the things that you find easy, other people will find hard. The thing that you really are brilliant at and you're so sort of think, oh, I could do anything. I could uh, make a meal for 50 people, no problem at all. Whereas, how do you even start is what my question for that. See how I mean? So we all have different ministries, if you want to use that sort of term. But the good thing is, coming together in a diverse way, we all have an important thing to do for God. However we feel today, God has things for us. So what are you going to do for God? Rhetorical, don't say it loud. What are you going to do for God over these next few weeks? What will you offer to God is your worship to him so that you can plant and water and see things change around the people that you know and love. Planting and watering can often be using words, but sometimes it can be our actions as well that has a powerful influence on other people. I read this online this week. The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. So we all have that for us. It doesn't matter what we say to people. How are you living your life for Jesus today? Is he top, top person in your life? Was he a few weeks ago, a few years ago? Or is Jesus top today? Is he the most important person in your life today? Because being close to Jesus won't just change the words we say, it will change our actions as well. And people will see both our words and our actions and they'll see and say, yes, that person is going through a difficult time, but I can see their difference. I wouldn't be able to cope like they're coping. God has definitely commissioned us to plant and to water for him. Here's some verses that you know very well from the end of Matthew, and this is uh, from the Amplified Bible. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, 
and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, on every occasion, even to the end of the age. That's our commission. That's what God is calling all of us to do, to plant and to water with the people that we know. The brilliant thing is, it's not about us as we're planting and watering. It's said in verse 11 that Jesus is our foundation as we plant and water. That's what Paul was saying, and that's what we have to say as well. It's all about Jesus. It's not about our kingdoms, our sort of ways of doing things. What we want to do is say, Lord, be glorified in my life by the way I say things, think things, do things. Be glorified in the way I meet people. Help them to remember me in a good way, not in a way that isn't so good. There's a verse in Zechariah that is well known. And for some of you already, you know what it is. You know what I'm going to put because you think, I've read all of Zechariah, but there's one verse especially that people think about. Zechariah 4, verse 6. This is the New Century Version. You will not succeed by your own strength or by your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all-powerful. We think about that verse, and people can just bring it out and say, oh, yeah, this is, this is a good verse. But what's the context of it? In October and November, remember, we're going to be thinking about Nehemiah. The people of Judah had just been in Babylon, in exile for years and years, and now they were returning to Jerusalem. There was much to do in Jerusalem. We remember what we've just seen of the Luftwaffe and what they'd done to Nuneaton. Think about how Jerusalem was. Things torn down, especially the temple and, and houses and the walls. The walls had to be rebuilt. The temple was having to be rebuilt. And so what an enormous task the people of Judah had to find themselves as the people of God, being free people again. But there's this massive task of building this gigantic temple so that God could be worshipped and adored in there. If we were the people there, and Zerubbabel especially, who was the person in charge, we'd have thought, oh Lord, that is so difficult. How on earth are we meant to do that? Wonderfully, there were people around, God's people, prophets, people like Zechariah and Haggai, who were there at the time amongst the people. And Zechariah said, you will not succeed, in brackets, at building this temple by your own strength or by your own power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord, all-powerful one. Our task today, in a way, is just as big, just as daunting as it was for the people of Judah having to rebuild the temple after their exile. Perhaps 100 years ago or so, or maybe 50 years ago, if you'd started talking about God and Jesus, people would have listened to you. They'd have gone to Sunday school. They'd have known what you'd talked about. 
if you talk about Jesus or God now, people don't want, well, a lot of people, I don't want to put you off, a lot of people don't want to know. You can't tell me about being a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm okay, thank you very much. And that's the task before us. It might be a difficult task. But is God saying to us, you're not going to succeed in your own strength, in your own ideas. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. But you wait and see. You see what I do through you. Perhaps we can be praying more about that. Lord, help us to plant and grow. But you're the inventor of miracle growth. You can do all things, Lord. Will you cause growth to appear from our feeble attempts at telling people about you? Will you help us in our task? So we will look to God as we pray and take action so that Nuneaton is changed. We want to take out the weeds socially, financially, in people's lives, and we want to plant beautiful crops instead. It's God who's going to accomplish that mission, though. He's given us the commission, but it's Jesus who will say, yes, come on, you go for it. I'm with you always to the very end of the earth. If you know me, you'll know that I really enjoy watching Prime Minister's Question Time. I don't watch it every week because I don't get the time, but sometimes when I'm watching it, one of the first questions a backbencher will ask the Prime Minister is, what are your plans for the day? And so Liz or Boris or Margaret or any of these other people that we've heard, they'll go and talk about what they've done already and the meetings they've had and blah, 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 blah. They'll talk about what they need to do the rest of the day as well. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. How dependent on God are we truly? That is for all of us, isn't it? To have the first three hours of the day in prayer saying, Lord, You've called me to do this. I've got these plans. Now I'm seeking you. I want to do what you want me to do. We want to see God glorified in our lives, whether it's in that Nuneaton or another part of the world as we move around. We've all got a responsibility to hear God's call and then to take action in our lives. But perhaps our greatest responsibility is to say, Lord, I totally depend on you. We need to plant and water, but ultimately it's God who's going to give the increase. An acorn is small when it starts, but a mighty oak tree can grow because God has given the increase. We might think that sometimes our actions, our words, are of no consequence. They might, you might see insignificant. Look at the acorn. Remember me showing you the acorn today. Your 
seemingly insignificant words can grow as God waters the seed and does something only he can do in supernatural ways soon so we can see an acorn grow and not just one acorn but other seeds as we plant them we can say Lord will you make a difference around here let's see what God will do as we plant and as we water the different seeds that he's going to put into our hearts let's see what God will do in and through us over the next few weeks so let's pray and then we're going to respond to God and say yes Lord thank you for today's word I want to plant and water in the ways that you want me to Lord it's so easy to hold an acorn it's impossible to hold an oak tree and it's only you who's made the difference so for all of our actions over the next few weeks and months Lord, we give our lives to you and say thank you for the commission you've given us to go into all the world, to tell people about you, so that they'll learn about you and obey you. Even this week, Lord, as we perhaps go to different places that other people won't go, we know you're going with us and telling us, I am with you, plant and water, because I will cause the growth to happen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.